Good morning again. Um, for those of you that don't know, my name is Trent Nolan, and I'm the youth pastor here. Um, our pastor Carl is on his pretty much once a year vacation with his family this week. Um, so he decided that if there was going to be any mess with changing times and starting earlier, I'd have to deal with it with Tim. So I think we've handled it okay, though. Thank you all for making that easy on us. Um, but this morning, if you've looked in your bulletin, you'll see that we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6, continuing on where Carl left off with 5, and I thank God that Carl preached 5, and I didn't have to. <laughs> um, so chapter 6, but chapter 6 is kind of broken up into three or four different topics. We're going to be focusing on verses 12 through 15. Some of your Bibles may call this um, the malicious man or... Um, the wicked man or something like that. Um, how many of y'all have ever fallen victim to a, a slick talker, a, a scam artist of some type? How many of y'all have ever on the phone or anything like that, right? I mean, if we're all honest, come on, at some point in time. None of y'all have ever been to the carnival and the carnival barker sit there and get you to play the game that you know is rigged? I mean, come on. Exact, all of us, right? All of us have... We've fallen victim to, to kind of that double speak and, and the inside language and all that. And that's, that's, a, that's a kind of a joking way to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. But it, it gets a little more even everyday and common than that if we're honest about it. And so today we're going we're gonna to kind of walk from malicious intent in speech and, and hiding what we're really trying to do. And, and warnings against that to all the way to, if we're not careful, how we, even yes us in the church, fall victim to gossip and fall victim to having these conversations and talking about people in a way that is not edifying to the body of Christ, is not building up and providing a good example. Um, I had a buddy tell me um, just last week that he was dog-sitting for a friend, kind of house-sitting, dog-sitting. It's an outside dog, and he would go, and he'd, you know, feed the dog and play with it a little bit and all that kind of stuff, and said about the second day he was going to do this, said the neighbor decided to come over. And he could just tell by the way she was walking over that something was just eating at her. And he's ready for it, you know. And she comes over, and she goes, I just got to tell you, I am not happy about this. His response was, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and she goes, I am not happy about them leaving that dog outside. And he goes, well, ma'am, I'm, I'm coming over here two, three times a day. I'm feeding it. I'm watering it. I'm playing with it. It's got shelter. Well, a dog should just be inside, and I'm not happy about it. And I'm going to tell him about it. And he, his response, of course, was, okay, ma'am, I'm glad you feel that way you know and I'm not trying to knock on any dog lovers but she felt in that moment that it was her duty to go and fuss at him who had nothing to do with it other than to take care of the dog while the owners were away and it struck me this story struck me and as I was reading this passage again as I went a little deeper it struck me how often we I myself included fall into that trap of thinking I'm justified in what I'm saying even though I might be tearing someone down even though I may not completely know for 100% fact what I am saying 
And I may be doing it just to puff myself up. But the reality is often I get caught in that trap, and we all do. And so look with me this morning. Again, verses 12 through 15. Read along with me. Proverbs 6, verses 12 through 15. A worthless person, a wicked man goes around speaking dishonestly, winking his eyes, signaling with his feet, and gesturing with his fingers. He always plots evil with perversity in his heart. He stirs up trouble. Therefore, calamity will strike him suddenly. He will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. Let's just pray real quick. Father, we come this morning praying your blessing on this word, but praying also that we would have humble hearts and minds and open eyes to see in our lives where we are victims and where we are perpetrators of this. And through all of it, to seek your love and your will. To forgive and to seek forgiveness as we need to see fit. Speak to us this morning as we study your word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a malicious man, right? Initially, in this passage, it starts out with the term a worthless person. A wicked man. I'm just going to lay it out there. If you look at this and where this word comes from in the original Hebrew, this is the same term that they began to use to describe Satan. Same term. Worthless. Wicked. For his own or her own purposes. Not good for anything other than these evils. That's what it's talking about here. It, it's, it's stepping... It is stepping right on the head of the nail. Now, how many of y'all in here would describe yourself as that kind of person? Right? None of us. None of us would. We've probably met some people in our lives like that, right? Had to do business with them and just felt just mm, like we need to go take a shower when we got done, right? We've been there. We've been around them. They're in this world. We see them all the time. We call them con artists, thieves, swindlers, whatever you want to call them. And the reality is they're there. And we have guards against them, right? We have guards against them. And, and here in Scripture, Solomon is telling his son to watch out for these kind of people. And he gives him some warning signs. He says they speak dishonesty. They wink with their eyes. How many of y'all ever known somebody that'll do that? They'll tell a story or they'll be saying something. No one around understands, but they'll wink at you like you should know. What do you do? If you're honest, what do you do? I got you. I don't know what he's saying. I don't want him to know I don't know because he's got me on the in crowd, right? They wink with their eyes, signaling with their feet, gesturing with their fingers, right? What the writer is specifically referring to here is he's referring to those kind of people that are trying to pull something over. Cohorts, swindlers. One man's doing one thing and signaling with the other when it's time for him to be and play his part in the bit. That's the surface thing that we're discussing here. And none of us like that. None of us ever would be caught dead doing anything like that as believers in Christ, right? Hold on to that thought for a second. 
says he always plots evil with perversity in his heart. He stirs up trouble. You wouldn't say that describes you, would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that describes any of us. None of us go around having these plots formulated in our head. None of us go around wanting to just swindle somebody out of their hard-earned money. None of us go around trying to cheat people out of the way that people view them in public. Their honor. Their credit. None of us want to take those things from people. But if we're truthfully honest about it, sometimes we get caught up in it. We may not be the initiator, but we are partakers. And I think this is just as much a warning from Solomon to his son. As much as it is a warning to avoid those kind of people, it's also a warning to not become that kind of person, to not become that kind of king. And I think we need to pay very close attention to this message to make sure that we, especially we in the church, avoid the same thing. Now we may not use code words, we may not use winking signals and signs and high signs and low signs and all that kind of stuff. But if we're not careful, we get in our little groups, right? We get in our little pods, our little cliques, as sociologists call them. And when we get in there, we think it's okay to talk about some of the things we talk about. We think it's going to just stay right there. But if we're honest, how many times does it stay right there? How many times does that thought, oh, well, if A's happening, well, then obviously B's got to be happening. How many times does that just fly out of our mouths? We need to guard our tongue. We need to guard our speech because those are the things that sow seeds of discord. Those are the things that bring division. That's really what Solomon is speaking against here. In his wisdom, he's saying, Son, if you're going to be a king who is honorable, who is righteous representative of God on high, you cannot speak like this and you can't have anything to do with people that speak and communicate like this. Because you're going to lose all credibility. Your word's going to become nothing. And everyone's going to think that you're just out to get yours and not help them. We as the church sit in the same seat that Solomon's son sat in. We are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And we have the responsibility to be righteous and upright in everything we do. So God's given us these warnings. In Proverbs, the way that you kind of break it down is typically Solomon and the rest of the writers of Proverbs wrote about three kinds of people. And that's what we're going to focus on from this point forward. There's the wise, the fool, and the simple. The wise, of course, is the righteous person that is committed to God's will and to knowing God's wisdom. The fool is the evil person who is set against God's will, even if they know better. And then the simple is the follower, the one that's just easily misled. 
the one that goes with the flow, goes where it looks like all the status and the power is. So if we look at it, we have these three people in mind when we look at this. The scripture is very plain when it comes to the fool and the wise. The fool is the man that will do these things in public openly to tear you down, to get one over on you. The wise is someone who will avoid this, who will stay away from it at all costs. But what about the simple? What about the one in between who maybe knows Christ, maybe wants to follow Christ, but is not actively pursuing that, but is trying to ride somebody else's coattails? We've all seen them in life. We know who we're talking about. Somebody may have even come into your head. You may have even been guilty of this at a time in your life where you're trying to follow someone else instead of following Jesus' example. If you're not careful, sometimes those people will lead us right into the den of thieves. And we'll be a part of something that we had no intention of ever being a part of. In Proverbs... You have three men, the wise, the fool, and the simple. You also have three subjects. You have a virtue, vices, and values. In this scripture, the virtue that's discussed is that a wise person holds their tongue, watches their speech, is careful with what they say. <laughs> um, I found a quote from President Harry S. Truman in December of 1947. He's quoted by Paul Dixon in words from the White House. And he said this, I have appointed a secretary of semantics, an important post. He is to furnish me with 40 to $50 words. Tell me how to say yes and no in the same sentence without a contradiction. He is to tell me the combination of words that will put me against inflation in San Francisco and for it in New York. He is to show me how to keep silent and say everything. You can very well see how he can save me an immense amount of worry. Now that, that sounds, man, that's Harry S. Truman. That seems wise. But politically and even culturally, this is the definition of what we call doublespeak. And that's not a good thing. Double speak. Double speak is language that is intended to deceive or confuse people. I have fallen victim to double speak many times in my life. Try to learn to recognize it, but there's some guys out there that are just really good with it. How many of y'all have ever bought a pre-owned car new pre-owned car something like that right instead of calling it what used right used how about um, I had another one I can't remember it thought I had it written down I'm sorry about that but you get where I'm going right there's double speak all around we use words and terms to make it sound politer to make it sound neater, more tied up in a bow. Oh, it's not that bad. But all we're doing is we're trying to pretty up the meaning. And we, and we do it all the time. And in most cases, it's innocent. It's just trying to 
overcome a word that has an extremely negative meaning or connotation. But that can also be used against us. Like when you go to the lemon lot and they're selling you pre-owned cars, right? And you're, you're not just getting a pre-owned car. You might be getting a car that's been totaled three times. The power's not in the word itself. It's in how it's being used. And we have to figure out how to decipher that. But we also have to be careful that we don't use that same power for our own malicious reasons. As good intention as we might be, we have to guard against that. Here's some proverbs of old, right? Here's an old Arabic proverb. It says, avoid the friendship of those who constantly inquire and discuss the flaws of others. Avoid the friendship of those who are constantly asking questions and discussing the flaws of others. Why? That's just straight up gossip. That is tearing someone else down just to make themselves feel better. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. And small minds discuss people. Another one is that false words are not only evil in themselves, but they infect the soul with evil. That was Plato. And I can tell you, Plato took his words from Scripture. If we're not careful in our life, we will fall victim. If we don't guard our words, guard our hearts, guard our opinions of other people, we will become the malicious man before we know it. We will easily walk into that conversation and in order to want to be a part of it, in order to want to be on the in crowd, because that's what the world tells us we should be, we'll throw a little jab in there, we'll offer a little untrue information, or we'll nod approvingly when in our hearts we know it's wrong. And ultimately what we're doing there is we're committing idolatry. We're putting ourselves, we're putting our feelings, we're putting our relationships with other people and the desire to want to be in with this person or that person or to, to be tighter knit with other people above our relationship with God. Above the mission that we have to be love and grace and peace to everyone rather than being the one that are tearing them down behind the scenes. As I first started studying this weeks ago, it made me more aware, especially in the youth ministry. It made me very much more aware of the conversations that I have. Because as benign as some of my intentions have been, it brought to mind conversations that I've had that I look back on and I go, mm, I wish I had not had that conversation or I wish maybe I had used some different words because my meaning could have been taken out of context. How often does that happen? How often do you get taken out of context and you get blown up, right? It happens a lot. It happens a lot. We're human, it happens. God knows it happens. God knows that we can fall victim to these things. Here's, here's the promise in this though, okay? 
therefore calamity will strike him suddenly. He will be shattered instantly beyond recovery. This is not talking about... This is not talking about the simple or the wise. This is talking about the fool that runs headlong into it. For those of us that are standing here, sitting here, who want to follow God, who don't want to do evil, who don't want to pull one over on someone else, we have God's grace and mercy ready for us, waiting to be poured out on us. We just have to repent admit where we've been wrong repent of it and be be more following of Christ going forward the vices that are discussed in this passage is that a wicked person uses their tongue for evil and a fool or a, or a simple person has no control over their tongue how many of us know somebody that just lets it fly Right? They, there is no filter. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not bashing anyone that honestly tries to just be straightforward and speak truth. I'm talking about the people that don't guard a word that comes out of their mouth. They just let it fly. Negative. It doesn't matter if somebody dresses bad. If they don't like it, their opinion is like a waterfall. It never stops. We all know people like that, right? We better be careful when we're around them, right? Most of us are. Most of us are. Most of us are very careful when we're around them. But if we're not careful enough, we'll find ourselves joining them. The value in this proverb is this. That a wise person controls their tongue and uses it to build up and correct for the sake of the kingdom of God. A wise person is going to stop. Think about what's going on around them. Think about, do I need to say anything? And if I do, what is going to build them up? What is going to lead them to God? What is going to stand for truth and righteousness? Even if it costs me something in this conversation. you'll want to just a few pages over Proverbs chapter 13 verse 3 says this the one who guards his mouth protects his life the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin Solomon talked a lot about speech and, and the words we use and things like that in Proverbs you can keep reading through and there's more and more and more But the words that are spoken, and we've all fallen victim to it, if we're honest, are where discontent and division and friendships and relationships generally start in our lives. Somebody said something about me, and I get mad. I get angry. I get upset. I get vengeful. That relationship becomes broken. Or I fall into the trap of saying something about someone else because my opinion gets hurt. My ego gets bruised. My pride gets, takes a hit. 
and I fall into that trap and I say something. And I may regret it, but that person may not give me another chance. We're all going to be there. We've all been there. The promise of Scripture, the promise of Jesus is that He's there to redeem us and to help us work back. See, in the church, if we're honest and we accept it as we are, we got a lot of people in this community that have been hurt by churches, hurt by people in the church. There's a lot of people in our country that have been hurt by the church. There's a lot of people across history that have been hurt by the church. The answer is not an ABC solution. It's not a one, two, three step solution. But where we can start is where Solomon is advising his son. If we start with the way we talk about people, if we start with the way we talk to one another and make sure as best we can that our speech is always above board, that it's always edifying and building up, that it's always seeking to understand and love, then God promises that we can build back some of that hurt. That we can repair it. We can recover from it. That we can reach out and mend bridges that may have been burned. My challenge to you today is this. This, this pulpit, this, this altar up here, is not just for whenever someone wants to be saved. It's not just for whenever someone is coming to confess a monster sin in their life. This pulpit is here for anyone at any time that wants to come and humble themselves before God because of anything in your life. My challenge to you today is that if through this message, maybe it seemed like I just rambled on and on to you, but if you're one sitting out there and you were touched, maybe you were convicted like I was weeks ago, my challenge to you is to be bold enough to come down here and come face to face with God at the altar and handle that. Repent of it. Give it to Him here and go back to your seat, a new creation. Go back to your seat following in that path of God, watching your words, watching your tongue, building up not only the body of Christ and one another because we're in this together, but being a great witness to the world around us is one that won't stand for any maliciousness in your life. If you have been someone that has fallen victim to that in your life, maybe you need to forgive somebody. Come do that here. If you're someone that you realize you're in a season in your life where you've been the perpetrator, then maybe you need to do like I've done and fall flat on your knees and your face before God and confess and repent. But the altar is open for you now. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask you, if you will, come, no matter what your situation, no matter what you want. But I'm going to ask you, whether you come or not, surrender everything in your life to God, even down to the words that come out of your mouth. Because I've said it before, 
I believe from this pulpit, and I think it rings true, that we need to be careful of our thoughts because our thoughts become words and our words become actions and our actions become our character. So we got to guard our hearts and our thoughts. Solomon was very blunt about this with his son. And I think if we're going to be wise people, we're going to be listening to wise proverbs given to us by God, we need to respond in wisdom. So I'm asking you to do that now. Let's pray. Well, I, I, hope, I hope I didn't miss the point of telling everyone that there is forgiveness. There is repentance. There is growing from our mistakes. God knows who we are. He's not surprised by how, stu- how low we can go. And I hope that if nothing else, you leave from here with a conviction to be better, but also with a love, a deeper love of Jesus because... He tries to guide us. He tries to give us instruction. And he loves us enough that he sticks with us through it all. I hope that's really what you take from here. Maybe I didn't do a good job of it up there, but I hope that's what you take.